Bobo anticipato, palla vagante, mette giù, Recoba, il tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol. This is of course uh, the call at a, a soccer game, a football game, uh, this one in Italy. Calling these soccer games is such a distinctive thing. How do announcers come up with their style? Pablo Ramirez is calling the World Cup for Univision. Uh, he's online with us now. So, uh, Pablo, for people that haven't heard you call a game, can you just describe uh, what your style is like? It's, it's like a, I didn't prepare nothing about the excitement. I prepared the game with the statistics, the history, but the... During the game, it's like a spontaneous, it's like a natural, it's like a feeling the game. The game is flowing, and I'm trying to flow with the game. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've heard you, and your enthusiasm is out of control. Thank you. Is it, maybe it's the reason because uh, I was working in, in, in this position. I was trying to do a pro soccer player when I was a young boy uh-huh. in Mexico. And... Uh, I really feel this this game like a big big passion. Yeah. So so Pablo, when you were a child and you scored a goal, what would you say? No, nothing because I was trying to be a goalkeeper and that's a that's a strange situation. I just was trying to stop all the balls. Yeah. And then I I need to scream for all the goals. So what would how would you scream? What was your scream like? Usually uh, I have a three different styles. Uh, the first one is like the a lot of uh, very short screens, like a goal, 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 was the first one. Then when I when I have a, a lot of air, maybe the game is early, I can scream like a little long, something like Wow. And uh, finally, the trademark with this a big goal, an awesome goal, is like the golazo, 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 aso, aso, aso. There we are, guys. The, <laughs> so, so do you have to, I mean, especially the, the second one, the very long one, do you have to exercise your voice to get ready to do that? Um, no, it's like a very natural I, I really didn't like it so long because uh, I think everybody tried to do the same. But uh, I really enjoy when I was the opportunity, when I have the opportunity, because uh, when I told you before, that's spontaneous, that's natural. Yeah. And sometimes I have a lot of air, the goal is coming, and I just start to scream, and that's it. Yeah. And is, at the end of a game, is your voice, is, does it hurt? No, but uh, sometimes I get uh, like a little tired, mm-hmm. and after the game, it's a lot of people. Hey, what do you think about the game? Uh, tell me your thoughts, and you don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> no, just uh, like a little tired. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to us about this. Okay, have fun, guys. All right, have okay. a good cup. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. We got an email from Michael. He and his girlfriend Katie are getting married and they want some advice on how to tell their parents the big news. You know what we should do is just uh, 
just get Pablo Ramirez back on the line. Hey, Pablo, do, do you think you could do this for them? Okay. The name again? Uh, Katie is the bride. Katie? And, and Michael? And Michael. Okay. Let me try. Hey, how are you? I'm Pablo Ramirez from Univision Sports. And I know about this uh, great moment for Katie and Michael. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be like uh, the World Cup of the weddings. I like you guys, and I expect that your marriage is like a golazo! Congratulations, guys. <laughs> okay. So, uh, as, as you may know, uh, Mike and I, uh, our real job is producing the NPR program, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And a couple of weeks ago, our host, Peter Sagal, was talking about Edward Snowden, and he made this joke. Like you've heard, he said he was trained as a spy with a fake name and everything. The NSA responded by saying, dude, when everybody in the office called you Poindexter, <laughs> that wasn't your code name. <laughs> All right, so the, a, after that ran, we, we got an email in our listener response box from a guy in Florida. Uh, I'll just read it to you. I've always liked your show. I'm listening to it right now, but I would prefer if you and The Simpsons and numerous others would please refrain from using my name as a pejorative. Sincerely, Donald Poindexter. Now, of course, the most famous and most nerdy Poindexter of all is Arnold Poindexter, uh, from Revenge of the Nerds. On the line with us now is Timothy Busfield, the man who played Poindexter in that movie. So, Tim, <laughs> we should do what we can to turn things around for Poindexter, right? Well, I, either that or the guy's just got to step up and accept the fact that he's a nerd. I mean, that's the most important thing for a nerd to do is to realize they're a nerd. And odds are, with a name like Poindexter, the guy's a nerd. Well, Tim, don't do you feel... I, ha- I mean, I have to ask you, do you feel any responsibility for, for the preponderance of nerdy Poindexters? Well, yeah. yeah. Of course I do. It's the most flattering thing in the world, which is why I, I, I'm smiling from here to here. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. I think they even sing about it in rap songs sometimes. <laughs> I, you know, Poindexter is, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't think it was created by the Revenge of the Nerds thing. I know that my character was originally Lip Schultz. Lipschultz. Uh, but but our art depart our, our prop guy was Art Lipschultz, and so I think he probably complained to the director. Really? And so they we changed they changed it to Poindexter. But yeah. if they're going to give you grief, like if this guy called, did you ask him to send his driver's license? Well, I, photo I, or anything? Uh, we actually have his number. Do you want to talk to him? Yeah, get him on the phone. All right, we're going to try this. Uh, he seems like he's a he seems like a pretty good guy. Donald Poindexter. Hello, Donald. Hello. Hey, Hello. How, how are you? Pretty good. So, Donald, we got your letter at Wait, Wait about being a, a Poindexter. Does this happen to you often? Do people often give you a hard time about your name? Um, once, uh, just a while, well, almost a year ago, I was in Ottawa, and uh, there was a uh, uh, Homeland Security First lady that that you know she said well when when was the last time you came, or when did you come into Canada or how many times I don't remember what exactly what it was she asked me but I was on vacation I was up there on my motorcycle and I had to fly home for a week and uh, you know I, I couldn't remember exactly was and uh, 
she said, oh, come on, don't live up to your last name. And uh, yeah, after being in the Navy for 21 years, I almost pulled out some of my colorful uh, uh, vocabulary <laughs> and went off on her. Well, okay, Donald, we have somebody here uh, who we think, somebody who has some experience with the name Poindexter, and we wanted to get you two together. Yeah, Don, it's Tim Busfield. Busfield, hey, man, you did an awesome, uh, uh, what is it, electric violin? I love that. Uh, uh, but you take a lot of grief for the name Poindexter, right? I, uh, I I catch a little every once in a while, but, you know, mainly it's just the stuff that they have on uh, on the various different TV shows and stereotypical type, uh, what they refer to as a Poindexter. You know, if, yeah. I, if, I, can, uh, if I can jump in here. So, uh, Tim, I don't know if you heard, but when, when you were on hold there while we were first talking to, to Donald... Uh, he mentioned he has a motorcycle, and he was in the Navy for I think 21 years. That 21, th- yeah. I I'm not a. This is not the typical Poindexter. It sounds like. Well, it all depends. You know what his rating was in the in the Navy. What well, What did you do? I, I was an electronics technician. Oh, uh, electronics technician. Well, I mean, come on. That's. I mean, you have yeah. to be a nerd to be an electronic technician, right? Yeah, or that that or or if you're in computers, either one. So, so Tim, am I right that, that maybe your your take on the Poindexter name is to embrace it, to just go all in? Yeah, I think. I mean, why fight it? Why resist it? Well, I, are you are you redheaded? No, 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 no. <sighs> I have to say, uh, Donald. Uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, hearing your story, you have for me changed the meaning of the word Poindexter. And I feel like uh, the the trick to turning around Poindexter is just more and more Poindexters who have traveled the world, world served in the military, ride motorcycles, and the more the more Poindexters like you there are, the more likely the uh, the meaning of the word is going to change. Yeah. So so, well, so I, really, I didn't realize I was going on a show where you guys want to change the Poindexter. Now this is this is uh, I, I'm not I, I don't think this is good at all. You, you, uh, we don't, why yeah. do we want to change the uh, image of point? We like that Poindexter's a nerd thing, right? Well, I think, Tim, maybe you have a vested interest in a certain kind of Poindexter. Well, yeah. of course. Yeah. I'm not denying that. I mean, you know, you go, you're, you're, you're a celebrity, you go on a radio show to promote uh, something you've done, and now you guys are going to... You're gonna you're gonna kind of take me down a peg. I mean, this is gonna be bad. I think, Tim, what you have to kind of uh, deal with is that our nation, our world, is a rich tapestry of Poindexters. No two are the same. All right now, I'm getting yeah. a little misty. <laughs> yeah, there's room for there's room for every Poindexter. All right, you guys gotta stop now. You sounded like Gilbert in the movie. <laughs> All right. Well, Donald, <laughs> you can go out there with a better, a better sense of the Poindexter you are. And, and we don't want to get too politically correct and, and stop using it that way, you know, because, oh, you might offend somebody. It's like, come on, just as long as you don't get too abusive with it. There you go. I, I, I like that very much, Petty Officer First Class. <laughs> you know, and I feel like now I, I can say, and I, I don't mean this pejoratively, thanks a lot, Poindexter. You're most welcome. Way to go, Poindexter. All right, you guys are damaged. (laughs) 
We heard from Teresa. Teresa says she listens to How to Do Everything on her day off from her hospital internship. And uh, on her day off, she says she drinks fizzy water and rests under an electric blanket. Teresa, these next 15 seconds are for you. Teresa, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but I'm a little worried if you have an electric blanket and fizzy water in the same place, you you might electrocute yourself. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I will say, Teresa, uh, whether or not it's safe, you take rest very seriously. A lot of people say they rest, but they don't really rest. I also wonder, though, doesn't the fizzy water, don't the bubbles... Doesn't that effervescence kind of keep you awake? Doesn't it shock the system? I'm just wondering if still water might be more more relaxing. You're right, Teresa. So what's your name? Uh, Alex. Alex, how are you? Good, how are you? Awesome. So I have a question. Um, have you ever been to the beach? Oh yeah, we're the beach is right here. When you hear about like high tides and low tides, do you know how that works? Uh, I think it has to do with the moon, right? Yeah, but like, do you know what happens? Yeah, one of them, one is the tide goes out and it comes in, but I guess I don't really have a scientific definition. I know, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but the tide, so it's just like the moon does it, I guess. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you? Good you. Good. Um, do you mind if I ask you a question? Well, I'm working right now. but Awesome. I'll walk with you. What's your name? David. David, um, I have a question. So when you go to the beach and you hear about like high tides and low tides, do you know how that works? No. Can you explain it to me? No. Well, I'm I'm trying to find out. So do you have any idea? No, not at all. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. What's your name? Jackie. Jackie, how's it going? Are you having a good morning? Not really. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I have a question. Do you know anything about high tides and low tides? No. Do you know how that works? No. Are you sure, like, any ideas or, like, theories? No. <laughs> Would you believe that it's alien? No. Okay, bye. You know, people always say that the tides, high tides, low tides, are caused by the moon. And this is something I've always known. But when I think about it, I actually have no idea how the moon has any effect. Well, it has something to do with gravity. But what? It's, again, I have no idea. Phil Plate writes the Bad Astronomer blog, for Slate, he's on the line with us now. So, Phil, can you help? Tides are caused by the moon, and, and not just by the moon, but by its gravity. And how that works is that gravity is a force that decreases with distance. So if you're some distance to the moon, you feel some attraction to it because of its gravity. As you get farther away, that attraction gets lower, it gets smaller. Okay. Well, the Earth is about 8,000 miles across. So when the moon is up, one part of the Earth is 8,000 miles closer to the moon than the other side. Okay. And so that closer part of the Earth feels a stronger attraction than the far side of the Earth. Now, what that means is that, essentially, the moon is stretching the Earth. We, we kind of measure everything from the center of the Earth. And so one side's getting pulled more towards the moon. The center of the Earth is being pulled away from the far side of the Earth because the center is being pulled harder than the far side. And when you look at all that and put it all together, what you wind up getting is it's like a rubber band being stretched out from the middle. So the Earth becomes this kind of egg-shaped thing with its axis pointed at the moon, and that is what is at the core of what causes the tides. Uh, okay, I, I'll I, break there. I'm with you so far. Yeah. 
So what does that do to the, the tides? Well, what that means is that if you're standing on one part of the Earth, you're going to feel a little bit extra force toward or away from the moon. And what happens is if you're a drop of water and you're sitting somewhere on the Earth, this force is being applied to you, and you will tend to sort of roll toward one of these two bulges, toward the moon or away from it. Basically, you can think of it as the, as the moon pulling the water to the point underneath it. Just picture one high tide, the one toward the moon for a moment. Ignore the far side one. And so when the moon is over the ocean, it's pulling the ocean closer toward it and creating a high tide bulge underneath it. Got but it. if you're at a beach around the side of the earth from there, the water's getting drawn away from you, and so you have low tide. Then a few hours later, as the earth rotates a little bit and puts the moon overhead, now you're on the high tide bulge, and the water is pulled toward you, and the beaches are uh, inundated a little bit more with water. So, so let me ask you this. If I'm, on the, if I'm on the side of the Earth that is, at the moment, closest to the moon, uh, do I weigh less than I would on the other side? Um, I think so. This is one of those questions where if I don't, if I don't actually draw diagrams, <laughs> but I think that's correct, yes. Um, where, you, where you are on the Earth will affect how much you weigh. If you're on a mountaintop, you're going to weigh a little bit less because you're farther away from the center of the Earth, and gravity depends on distance. It gets weaker with distance. And in fact, there is the gravity of the moon, the gravity of the sun, uh, a lot of other effects that actually change your weight as you move around. But, you know, in the end, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny force. If, if you want to lose weight, that's not really the way to do it. <laughs> so, Phil, you said that the, not only do we exp- does the water and the tides affect the water, but it affects the, the Earth itself? Mm-hmm. Up and down every day. That's right. Twice a day. So if I'm in, say, Iowa, there's still going to be movement. Yeah, if you had a very sensitive device to measure exactly how far away you are from the center of the Earth, you would find yourself moving up and down twice a day by about a foot. And in fact, this has profound impacts on the Earth. Um, The moon used to orbit the, the Earth very much closer in than it does now. But these tides, these effects of the moon on the Earth, and and the Earth on the moon, the Earth has a tidal effect on the moon as well. They have actually basically been trading energy back and forth for billions of years. The moon's tides have slowed the Earth's rotation. We used to spin faster. But basically, that spin, that energy in the Earth's spin, has been given to the moon. And the moon has moved away from the Earth because of that. This is fairly complicated celestial mechanics, but that's how this all winds up working. And so nowadays, the Earth is spinning much more slowly than it used to be, and the Moon is still moving away from the Earth to the tune of about two inches per year. And we've been able to measure that directly by uh, beaming lasers at the Moon and reflecting them off of mirrors that the astronauts left there. And by uh, doing that, you can measure precisely the distance of the Moon. Wow. And when you do that over years, you see the Moon is moving away from the Earth exactly the amount you'd expect due to this tidal interaction. Amazing. Wait, did they just forget that the mirrors were there, or did they do that on purpose? Put them <laughs> on the moon. Well, they were trying to, you know, they they had those little mirrors to make sure they looked okay for the <laughs> camera. Compact. So, you know, they're my great great infinite great grandchildren <laughs> will live on an Earth which has much longer days, and the moon is much smaller in the sky. That's right, and if you think about it. We have solar eclipses now when the moon passes in front of the sun, and by coincidence, the moon and the sun appear to be the same size. But as the moon moves farther away, it's going to get smaller. And there's going to be a time sometime in the future, I don't know exactly when, but it's millions of years at least, where the moon is going to be too small 
to cover the sun completely, and that will be the end of solar eclipses for the Earth. Oh, a little wow. bit sad. It is sad. Yeah, but we get to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, thank you so much for uh, explaining this to us. I hope I did. Just remember, tides are a stretching force, and if you remember that, then you can probably work out a lot of it from there. In addition to all his astronomy stuff, Phil Plate is co-author of a new book of geek insults called Two to the Seventh Power Nerd Disses. That's uh, 128. It's 128 nerd disses? Yeah, I had to look that up. Well, that does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I learned there are mirrors on the moon. Which is interesting, because I don't think of the astronauts as being very vain. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, you have a spacesuit on. There's not a lot you can do with that. Yeah. But even so, you still want to know how you look. You know how some people, whenever you catch them uh, looking at themselves in a mirror, they have a certain face. They have a mirror face Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist when they're just walking around. It's weird to think about Neil Armstrong sort of having like a kind of duck face, a a sexy face he was making up there. One one small step for man, one sexy face for Neil Armstrong. I learned, uh, on average, the the Poindexters that I've met were actually pretty cool. I think from now on, only the coolest people, we should call them Poindexter. Yeah, so like like someone cool, you know, like Fonzie or Poindexter. Yeah, like you imagine imagine that scene in Pulp Fiction. Right now, Yolanda! We're not going to do anything stupid, are we? Don't you hurt him! Nobody's going to hurt anybody. We're all going to be like... Poindexter. Yeah. And what's... Poindexter. Like... Come on, Yolanda, what's... Poindexter. Like... Cool. What? Cool. Correct the mundo. And that's what we're going to be. We're going to be cool. How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Seth Kelly. That's also a pretty cool name. Seth Kelly. Our artist-in-residence is Justin Witty. And you can get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian Poindexter. And I'm Mike Poindexter. This is NPR. <laughs>